0: I'm trying to instill within them a foundational understanding of what the Bible is and a heart and a desire to know it and to do it.
1: Welcome to Working with the Word, a currently bi-weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for joining us for the 59th episode of Working with the Word. We are still in our final four series of the topic of relating to discussions of Bible study with different relationships or Bible study in different relationships. Today we're talking with Eddie and Hannah Jinks about Bible study with our family, designed with the goal of looking to teach our children how to understand and learn about and love and live the story of God. Enjoy our conversation today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff O'Rear from Working With The Word with my co-host, Emerson Brown. Today, we are joined by Eddie and Hannah Jinks from Montville, New Jersey. They've been married for 10 years, have two cats, Edison and Tesla, and have three children with one on the way. Eddie is an electrical engineer, and Hannah is a stay-at-home mom who also runs a Facebook and Instagram page, Mommy and Me Class. Eddie and Hannah believe that all children are worthy of learning about their creator, capable of knowing their maker, And wonderful at loving God. We continue our series of episodes on Bible study and different relationships today as we talk with them about Bible study in our families and leading our families in the Word of God. Eddie and Hannah, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having us. Great to be here.
2: So let's start with a really basic, simple question. Why are we having this discussion today? Why do you think it's important that we teach our children the Bible story?
0: Well, I mean, let's be honest about it, right? The Bible tells us why we're here. It tells us our reason for living. It tells us about our creator. Apart from the Bible story, we, we don't have any direction. We'd have no goal. We have no knowledge of why we're here or what we were created for um, or what our purpose is. And so I think naturally teaching our children about our origin, why we're here and where we're going is absolutely critical and uh, how we're going to get there. And so it just, it's, it's necessary for us to teach our kids, you know, what is life all about? What is our purpose? And so I, I think that that's, you know, kind of the, one of the most basic things that we can have in life is, is that goal in that direction. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And, and just kids, kids listen to what you say, but they watch what you do. And so if we are trying to live out our lives, the way God wants us to live, there's going to naturally be questions of Why? And so always going back to God's word and being able to support our lifestyle and being able to support our choices based on scripture. This, this is why we are the way we are. This is why we do the things that we do and being able to use God's word as kind of that foundation, I think is helpful <laughs> for kids instead of just saying, well, this is just what we do. It gives them a, a, a greater reasoning and hopefully one that then will guide them and help them as they grow in into their own adults with their own opinions and choices and all of that so
1: absolutely and you know that this isn't just a an insignificant thing and it's not something that's going to be completely unavoidable they're going to see these things and and it's really the main thing that they need to know that and right. you talked about you know giving scriptural answers for the things that we do and what we believe what are some scriptures that kind of motivate or help us i mean maybe we have a couple that sit on the front of our mind if we're familiar with some as it talks about families and some passages like that. But we'll turn that over to you. What are some passages that help us or maybe help you all when it comes to thinking about uh, leading our families?
0: You know, I think as a person who spends a lot of time at work, I think that that gives me a little bit of a different perspective. And I'm sure Hannah will give her perspective as well. But you know, life is a busy time. It's full of doing different things, whether it's for a job, whether it's for family, whether it's for others, you know, just, I mean, whether it's raking the leaves, mowing the lawn, you know, vacuuming the floors, it's like life is constantly busy. And uh, one of the passages that I always keep in mind is from Deuteronomy chapter six, which I'm sure we talk about or hear about all the time about how we're, we're teaching, we're supposed to teach our children, but it's not, you know, you teach your children, you sit down in a classroom and you teach them. We're teaching them in, in all aspects of our lives, whether we're walking, whether we're talking, whether we're working, whether we're standing, whether we're sitting, whether we're lying down, we're always teaching. And so, and so to me, that's, that's a guiding principle, that no matter what I'm doing, where I'm doing it you know, how I'm doing it, you know, whatever, whatever circumstances I find myself, there's always going to be opportunity to teach our children something about God, whether it's about him and his nature, whether it's about the way that he wants us to do things, or whether it's our attitudes in what we're doing or our attitudes towards him, there's always time for that. And so, you know, in almost every aspect of our lives, I feel like both of us do this, but it's especially in my mind that we need to be always thinking about how can I Use this opportunity to train my children so that they are a little bit closer to God as a result of this. I mean, even if it's as simple as, like I was saying, raking the leaves, how can we use this to try to teach them more about God and what he wants from us? So that, that passage to me, like I said, Deuteronomy chapter six is, is really critical in my mind. Yeah. that's one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> Well, we share it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I I definitely lean on Deuteronomy 6 a lot because sometimes it feels overwhelming or discouraging. I grew up in a preacher's family and now being married to a husband who has a nine to five job, and usually it's more than that, It our Bible time looks different than what I was used to growing up. Growing up, it was just different. It was It's not better or worse. It's just different. Right. And so kind of figuring that out in our family, Deuteronomy 6 is one that I've really clung to and just realizing it is scriptural to go beyond just the sit down Bible time and really Bible time is something that should be something that like I think of it as just being woven in and out throughout the day. Like it, it, it's not really the starting and stopping time. It's mm-hmm. something that just like keeps coming in and out <laughs> depending on mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Mark chapter 10 is another one that I think about a lot. And that's the passage where, the parents are bringing the children, to Jesus and the disciples are like, okay, no, no, no. Like he's too busy for this. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Like, no, this is exactly what the kingdom of heaven is made up. Like, and I, I think about that a lot because I think that it's super easy. Kids are just super easy to brush aside when it comes to like big, important topics like, you know, church and Bible time and worship. And it's easy to say, no, be quiet, be still don't talk. And that is, that just goes against the whole heart of that passage where Jesus is saying, you know, Jesus didn't say, okay, only let the well-behaved kids who are going to sit really still and not talk come to me. Like he wants all of the children to come to him because of the way their hearts are. And so I think I cling to Mark chapter 10 because it shows me the value in m- me learning from them and being a part of of their their growth, yes, and their maturing. But I can gain from that, and so me spending time teaching my children about God is going to benefit me and help me be a part of the Kingdom of Heaven. So,
2: yeah, I think that's really true. You know, as we teach our children, we're also learning too, mm-hmm. because how can we teach our children the things that we haven't learned ourselves? and i mean we learn from our children all the time the sometimes they have better attitudes about god than we do <laughs> and yeah. we need to imitate them in those times definitely
0: yeah uh, you're absolutely right about that and sometimes it's just their uh, maybe simpler approach to things you know uh, i think we all experience that as when we were kids we have kind of a more you know black and white point of view and you know this is right this is wrong this is how we approach things and uh, as we get older sometimes it's harder for us to see that kind of level of detail. And, you know, this is, this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. And, and life kind of helps us to, I don't know, say it helps us, maybe it hurts us uh, to, in rationalizing different things. And we just have a, a muddier, muddier view of some of these things. And so, like you said, maybe the purer, simpler view of the children, I, I, I certainly learn from, and, and I think we all can. So some good thoughts. Absolutely.
2: So I've really appreciated the point you guys have made about, weaving Bible time in and out of, in and out of your day, but there's also value in the structured times. Sure. Um, and so thinking about both of those aspects, maybe we'll get to the more of the structured here in a minute, but thinking about both of those aspects, doing that, prioritizing God and Bible is not necessarily an easy thing, mm-hmm. um, particularly because we, sometimes we struggle as parents. So what do we need to do as parents to prepare ourselves to do this well? What is indispensable in in preparing ourselves?
3: I think making sure that we are prioritizing our own study time, our own bible time and and making sure that we're taking advantage of those little opportunities to weave it in and out through our personal life, not just our kids. So For example, um, it's a priority of mine that when we're in the car to try to use that time to encourage my kids to either look at Bible books or we talk about Bible stories or we sing Bible songs. And so I'm trying to use that time wisely. But then um, when it comes to my kids are in bed and I need to clean the kitchen, I am a little bit more tempted to pull up a show uh, and like, or play my music or something like that while I'm cleaning the kitchen. And I don't tend to use that like my personal free time necessary as wisely. And so kind of looking for those opportunities in our own life of how can we weave God's word and time with the Lord, like in and out of our personal free time, because we do have it. I don't even know free time. I mean, I'm calling doing dishes free time, but like, (laughs) um, you know, our, our, our downtime, our time where we have an opportunity to take advantage of time with the Lord. And so I have the option of playing hymns or listening to a sermon or something like that. And so am I utilizing my time the way I'm expecting my children to utilize their time? I also think that surrounding ourselves by people who are going to be supportive of the type of parenting that we're wanting to do. So people who are going to encourage us. And motivate us. And then also look for the times where we're low. And, you know, I've had some people come and check in and say, okay, you've been teaching for a while. Do you need to sit in an adult class? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do need to sit in an <laughs> adult class for a little while trying to surround ourselves, whether it's our church family or our physical family, like with people who are going to be supportive of what we're trying to prioritize.
0: So, and I'll, some of what Hannah mentioned, I think I would echo, I mean, I would echo all of what she said, but I will take the opportunity to echo a little bit of it, I think. I think for me, the most important thing to be able to impress upon our children, to teach our children is to make sure that our hearts are behind our message and that we really believe it. We think it's important. We find it to be a worthwhile use of our time. And so I I think, you know, what Hannah said about, you know, modeling that, I think that's, you know, incredibly important because what what our kids see in us, they're likely to model themselves. They see us making an effort, then they will also make an effort. And sometimes, as Hannah said, you know, life is difficult and we find ourselves, I think, maybe rationalizing, well, you know, my brain is really tired right now. I don't want to think about something really hard or challenging. I'd rather listen to this or, you know, look at this. But getting back to what do we need to do for ourselves first? I think that we need to spend our time in study, in prayer, in thinking, in meditation, in you know, on what God has revealed to us. And the more that we can do that, the more our hearts are going to be turned towards what he wants for us to do. And the easier it is, it's going to be for us to talk to our kids about it. Like I said, the more that our hearts are turned towards that and the more that we're impressed, the more that we truly are feeling and thinking and doing what God wants us to be thinking, feeling and doing, the more that's going to come out in everything that we do uh, in terms of not just, you know, with our kids, but, but those around us. And that's going to be visible. And so I think, how do we prepare ourselves? All those things, you know, we have to put some time aside. We have to be thinking, we have to be purposeful or intentional. I know Hannah loves that word Uh, and be intentional uh, in how we, you know, and how we direct our minds and how we direct our thoughts and how we direct our lives. What are we going to really do? Uh, And if we can, if we can really make a good effort to focus that on God, then I think it's going to be natural that what we say and do with our kids is going to just reflect that same idea so i I think that's kind of how i I view it just if we can have our focus you know fully on god then then the the, you know bringing the kids along is just going to be kind of like throwing them in the back seat of the car that we're already driving Mm uh they're going to be on the way as long as we're on the way so how i kind of view it
2: yeah i really like how you have used the word heart several times coming back to deuteronomy 6 it's always struck me that this passage that tells us to teach our children diligently all the time is, is just a couple verses down from the greatest commandment. That's right. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And that's always been impressive to me that if our hearts are in the right place, if we guard our hearts, then it's just going to naturally come out in how we set that path for our children and teach them. And it, our words are going to follow our heart.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So ideally, or maybe that's not the best word. Maybe we'll say typically, as we talk about something like parenting, we're usually talking about mom and dad involved. And that's kind of our discussion today. We want to acknowledge and realize that's not always the case. And God bless those single parents who you know, are taking that task on of teaching their kids the Lord in that setting. But you know, here, as we're talking with both of you, and as we're thinking about this today, we want to, first of all, talk about maybe this idea of how is this a a team effort and how do we work on this? This isn't just one person doing all of the work and all of the brute force, you know, we have to work together in this as mom and dad, but maybe what also some individual roles and and whether that's particularly in your guys' lives or just kind of some, maybe a little bit more theoretical things of what maybe could we do somewhat on an individual level as well. So we want to look at both aspects of, of that idea. What's the team part and what maybe are some things we do individually.
0: Well, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the team things and, and then me, Hannah, you may want to jump in with some of the more individual aspects, uh, you know, kind of some of the things that we've been talking about already about how your kids see you as the model, as the leaders, you know, when we are the leaders of our family. And I think as a team, we have to be on the same page and in everything that we do. The moment that they see some differentiation between us, you know, it's like, okay, you know, to use a silly example, right? If if the kids know that mom will always give them the juice box, but dad only gives them water, you know, who are they going to be asking for a drink? I mean, you know, they're always going to go to the one that gives them the answer. That's what they want. Right. So I think that that's, that's obviously much more important when we're dealing with spiritual matters and when we're dealing with guiding our children in these things. They have to see that both of us care. They have to see that both of us prioritize in the same manner. And when it comes down to, okay, what's, what's, what are we going to do? Are we going to do this, this more physically oriented thing? Are we going to do this more spiritually oriented thing? They have to see that that we're both thinking, okay, it's more important for us to be focusing on the spiritual than the physical. And that has to be in all aspects uh, of our lives, whether it's in education or just our activities or, or whatever it may be. Uh, and so I think mm-hmm. the, the team, the team effort is making sure, in, in my view, the, the maybe the biggest part is making sure that we're both pulling in the same direction, that we're not giving any mixed signals that we're showing to our kids that, that God and his word and, and us following that is truly the most important thing in this family, not just to our family, but also to me, dad, and to mom as well, that this is really our, our principle guiding idea that we are going to follow God. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is what we're all about. Right. And I think if we can project that and teach our children that and model that, that that's maybe the biggest thing that we can do as a team, perhaps the most important thing that we can do together. I don't know if maybe you want to talk about some of the other individual aspects of it.
3: Yeah. I first going along with the team thing is communication between the two of us. And when we each have our individual roles, there are times where we are both spending time with the kids alone, you know, where one of us is parenting individually and making sure that we're communicating about Things that are going well, and then also things that are not going well and need work and making sure that we have each other's backs on the the things that are harder or the things that we're struggling with. There are times where, you know, Eddie comes home from work and I'm saying, okay, here, here are some things that we're working on. Here are some things that we're struggling with. And it's nice to know that he has my back in in the sense that I've been dealing with these issues. And now I know that he's going to pick it right up and he's going to... Help me deal with them, or he's going to take that child who needs a little bit of correction and take them (laughs) off and and help me with that. But we're going to, we're going to communicate about that and, and the positives. I, I think that sometimes communication, we do talk a lot about the negative stuff, but like communicating the positive things of So, you know, this child has, has really done a great job of this or, you know, daddy, did you notice that Ellie, you know, is, is doing such a great job helping Ed clean, you know, clean his room or whatever, you know, making sure that we're verbalizing those positive things too, Mm -hmm. to show our children that we're, we are communicating and we are We care about them. (laughs) We care about them, the good and the bad, Mm -hmm. and we we want to help them. So I think that communication is just huge in making sure that they see that we have each other's backs in that.
0: Yeah, I mean that we're acting kind of like as a unit. Yeah, that we are the leadership. uh, That you know what one does in front of one is going to be noted even by the other. Right. Yeah, great point.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean as far as our individual roles, it it is different when he's at work. And we've gone through a couple different stages of life where we were homeschooling last year. And so that was different. I had all three kids all day by myself. And then, you know, we are, two of them are in public school now. And so we have that. So kind of working through some of those different things, but there are definitely times where I, you know, most of the time I have the kids during the day. And so that is my time to I have that, that Bible time and that, that those conversations about God weaving in and out. And I think that what's really special and really important is that I know when he comes home, he, he has extra patience <laughs> that mine, mine <laughs> might be running out. And, um, I, I, I struggle sometimes at night to, to find that patience and he just picks it right up so well. And, uh, you know, he handles bedtime and because he knows, okay, mom's had, mom's been handling this all day. I'm going to handle this now. Then hopefully we're not dropping balls. (laughs) We're not lowering standards or lowering expectations because when one of us, Um, is tired or when one of us is, I don't know, needs a break. (laughs) Then the other one is, is picking that up. I tend to be a little bit more organized, structured. Like I like to, okay, it's breakfast time. We're going to get out our memory verses, and we're going to do mealtime memory. And we're going to, this child has this many, and this child has this many. And kind of, I probably tend to overthink things, but (laughs) I I like to work, work stuff like that. I like to use a lot of like hands-on tools with the kids, things that, that help, help us resources. I feel like Eddie's really good at pulling, pulling it in without those resources and just having conversations and making those conversations organic and finding, finding those moments.
0: Well, let me interject if you don't mind, because yeah. you stole my word. I was going to say, I feel like I'm more the organic person, here. <laughs> uh, which is not the crunchy type, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but I think that the two roles kind of complement each other very well i mean hannah like she said she is a she is a um i won't say an overthinker she's a thinker (laughs) and and she does like to organize things whereas you know i i like to do kind of things a little bit more spontaneously a little bit more organically like she said the two things complement each other because you know if we're in a circumstance where i say hey here's an opportunity to talk about you know oh you know I don't know, let's throw something up, having the mind of Christ and having humility and putting other people above ourselves and thinking others as better than ourselves. I can easily draw on some of the things that Hannah has already talked about them with and some of their memory okay. verses that go along with those things. And so, you know, as I see those opportunities to talk about or pray about, I'm easily able to utilize some of the, some of the work that Hannah has done with those maybe more structured uh, opportunities uh, structured teaching if you will and, and I think it just works really really well. so so I, I like she said I, I kind of look for those opportunities as we're as we're you know whether we're taking a walk, whether as we're talking about how school went, uh, whether we're going to bed getting ready for the night, whether we're playing in the shower or whatever it is you know I'm trying to look for those opportunities but I'm thinking about a lot of times hey what kind of things have they been talking about already? Um, you know, with with Hannah or with others, even their, their Bible teachers at, at, uh, at church or whatever it may be. And we just try to, you know, again, interweave all that in there. And I think that the more we do that, uh, you know, having those complementary kind of styles, I think is very, very helpful And just having it always in their minds. So whether it's in a structured setting, or whether it's just what you might call a an organic opportunity, they're still thinking about all those same concepts, and it's still in their brains. But that's, but I mean, there are some aspects that I do that are more, I guess you might call structured, you know, Uh, we do sometimes Bible stories at night, you know, well, you know, it's by it's time to go to bed. Hey, before, you know, we're going to bed a lot early tonight, we have some time, let's read a Bible story, we can answer some Bible questions, you know. Uh, we're out, we're out at the Bible, or the Bible. we're out at the bus stop,
3: uh,
0: <laughs> the Bible stop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes we'll go over, you know, depending on how long we're going to be out there, maybe we'll bring some cards out, or maybe we'll just do some from memory. Hey, let's talk about, uh, you know, Matthew chapter five, we'll talk about some of the Beatitudes or, you know, whatever it may be. And we we'll just throw some things out there. Um, so again, I give, I give Hannah a lot of credit because it helps me to do kind of my piece a little bit better, but I do think that our individual strengths, if you will, really yeah. do you know, complement that opportunity to teach the kids and impress upon them you know, what we're really trying to do.
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really, really great to think about that complementary aspect. As husbands and wives, I think that's the way it should be, and the Lord designed it that way. So next question th- is a little bit more like far-reaching um, beyond your kids. I think your oldest, you said, was seven. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit beyond that, but definitely something that, that we as parents uh, need to be thinking about now. How do we equip our children to be good Bible students now? So like whenever they get to be double that age, you know, in their teenage years or even in their 20s, that, that they have the tools that they need and the foundation to dig into the Bible themselves. So how, how do we equip our children to be good Bible students Uh, right now so that we can prepare them for later?
0: You know, when I think about equipping our kids, what does that mean to me? It means giving them the foundation. It means giving them the tools that they need to be successful later on. And so to me, when I think about equipping our kids, I'm thinking about trying to instill within them two things. I'm trying to instill within them a foundational understanding of what the Bible is and what it teaches us. And I'm also trying to instill within them a heart and a desire to know it and to do it. And so I think, you know, from a from a um, more technical aspect in terms of the foundational knowledge, uh, there's a lot of things that we do to try to, to achieve that. You know, we use, you know, for example, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like the 17 time periods, the Bob Waldron's uh, three cycle approach. I mean, that, that type of... Uh, way of teaching, I think is very very easy for the kids to understand. Mm -hmm. And it provides a very simple uh, elementary look at what does this 1000 page book really tell us? You know, what is this thing really telling us? Um, Because I, I remember, and I'll just give a little anecdote, you know, as a kid, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have a, you know, 17 time period, I didn't have like the whole picture. And I remember even as I was getting into my, you know, early teens, You know, I didn't really have a good concept for, okay, well, when does Moses happen? You know, Samson, is he there as well? I don't really know. And I can see that having that very elementary view of, okay, this is what the, really the whole Bible is about. It's about us being with God and it's about the story of God's people and just kind of some, you know, basic overview of that with, you know, again, that 17 time period, along with a lot of other things, of course, but just having that basic fundamental overview, I think is super helpful in terms of helping the kids to understand what exactly are we even learning about here? Like, what is this all about? So that's, that's the more technical aspect from the heart aspect. I think that you have to, and, and this is something that I try to do, I think that we have to try to show them that God's word is important to us. And I already mentioned that before a little bit about how mm-hmm. they have to see that in us. But they have to see that in a, in a variety of aspects of our lives. They have to see that when we're making decisions. Okay, well, what would God say that you know we need to think about when we're making this decision? Okay, we're in this situation. Somebody is treating us in this way or um, you know, I want that toy or whatever it is you know, how, how ought we to think about this? And so some of the things that I might say is, well, what does God say when we're supposed, when we're, you know, debating about uh, who should get the toy, you know, Uh, (laughs) if we should share or not, you know, if it's my turn with the toy or not, you know, whatever it is. And, and, And I try to inject those kinds of questions that direct them towards, well, what does God say about this and help that to become kind of like the foundation of, how they make their decisions, because, you know, while they're five and seven, you know, it's kind of easy. Okay. hmm, You know, what should I do? Well, I know I'm supposed to consider others as better than myself. So maybe I should let my sister have the toy. But as we get older and the situations become more complicated and the stakes are a little bit higher than who gets the Legos, if that's become the way that they think about approaching life and approaching the decisions that they make, then hopefully, even as those stakes are higher and those decisions are more complicated and more challenging to execute, they're still going to go back to those fundamental ideas. Well, what does God say about this circumstance and how should I approach it? And so that's how I feel about making them good Bible students. I want to direct them to understand what does God want for them to do and hopefully that's going to motivate them to say "Hmm, you know I better open this book and see what does God want for me to do and hopefully that'll that will help them to understand a little bit better.
3: I think in addition to that giving them and providing for them opportunities and resources very uh, you know as as easy as I can. So at their fingertips, I want them to have a Bible. I I want um I I like things very organized. I like things very neat. And so it was very tempting for me when I was putting together what we call our Bible cabinet. It was very tempting for me to kind of have everything, okay, all of this is going to go here, all this is going to go here and it's all going to be set up nice and it's going to look, you know, nice and neat all the time. And When I started seeing how it was actually playing out, I realized, you know what I actually want is I want all of the Bible books to be very low because I want those to be so accessible where they can grab them at any time. I want it to be in a room. I don't want it to be like, like tucked away in a closet or tucked away in a bag somewhere. I want it to be in a room that we utilize a lot and just make it so that, yo, you can go get those books anytime. You don't need, you don't need to ask me to get those books down. You don't need to ask me to open your Bible or your Bible story book or your Bible coloring, like any of that. I want to encourage it. And so if they are scared to get into those supplies or into those resources, you know, that's going to discourage them from opening them. So I I want to make that really easy, really accessible for them to use and praise them then when I see them going and choosing that, choosing the Bible story books over the Legos or whatever, like that's an exciting choice for them to make. Also putting people in their lives who I say, there's a lot of times our, our seven-year-old is just She's very analytical when she thinks. And so sometimes she will have a Bible storybook in the car and she will be asking me questions and I'm driving. I I can't look it up. Um, And and so I will just tell her, I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But you know who probably does? And I will have her call my dad and I'll say, you know, he, he probably knows or he probably is near his Bible and he could look it up for you. Just encouraging the idea of, mommy and daddy don't know everything. And mommy and daddy aren't, aren't afraid to go and ask someone else Mm -hmm. to share their wisdom. And so just encouraging the idea of going and asking when you have a question about something or when something doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. That's totally fine. Just Mm -hmm. call someone and ask them and kind of, I guess, like normalizing that idea of it's okay. If we don't know everything, as long as we're willing to ask and willing to kind of do the, the research. So I think having a resources available is, is something that I try really hard to, to make easy. I also try to look for opportunities of when I see downtime or when I see that their hands aren't busy, Uh, because a lot of times when our hands aren't busy, that's when our brains tend to get us into trouble. So if our hands can be busy with something that is productive, I don't just want their hands to be busy, but I also want their hearts to be engaged. And so if I can look for those times, so I've already mentioned it a couple of times, I think, but the car is just one where I think, potentially so much wasted time, um, and energy because the kids are literally strapped in car seats. (laughs) They can't move. They're literally being forced to sit still. And so those are really, really good opportunities, um, and and really good potential for conversations. Sometimes they just end up looking at their Bible books, but if I'm going to have books or if I'm going to have toys, or if I'm going to have something for them to do back there while we're driving, I I feel like why not make it why not make it productive so we try to put bible books back there um, or like i said bible cds in the car just to kind of stimulate those conversations and make those resources more available to them
1: not to do like a necessarily a commercial or anything like that, but, and obviously the the resources are just kind of a, a assistance to the real goals Definitely. of instilling yes. in them the desire to, yes. to apply on all of those things. But maybe if some of our audience is interested, I know you've done some work with creation revelation, maybe rather than just saying like, by all of their things, are there certain <laughs> things that like you know, you find are, are, are really good or things that you're using right now that you're like, Oh, maybe check this out or something like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, Eddie already mentioned the 17 time periods and creation revelation has a lot of 17 time period products that there's a lot of options there, but based just based on like what kid, what your child likes to, to do and use. So if your child is one that likes to read books, they have like spirals and, or if your child is one who likes to kind of do more like puzzles, they have flashcards that you can put in order Our toddler right now (laughs) likes taking the placemat and then taking the magnets and matching them, like matching the magnets on top of the placemat and putting the time periods in order. So I I would definitely say like the 17 time period collection or line is potentially our most, most well-used. The story of the cross collection is one that's really near and dear to our heart. That was an idea from my mom. It's all about, it starts at the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve in the garden, sinning. And so kind of this idea of like sin came into the world and now we have this problem that we aren't capable of getting rid of. And then it kind of walks through the the Bible and then towards the end, you, you kind of deep dive into Jesus, into his life and how he Mm -hmm. came and lived and died and then um, talks about the Lord's Supper. And we have just, we've used that a lot in in talking about worship and why we go to worship and why during this Lord's Supper time where we are quiet, why are we being quiet? Well, it's because we're remembering. Um, and I think that has been super helpful in giving our kids just understanding about, again, the actions that we're doing. It's not like we weren't doing them before or they weren't seeing them but trying to provide them with an explanation of like, this is why it's important to us. And this is why we're prioritizing this. And this is why we care <laughs> about this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'll just say, you know, with respect to the story of the cross, that that's something that I have personally been using quite a lot when, when I'm giving the Lord's Supper talk at church. In fact, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I've learned from being a parent and I know this is sort of off the, off the thing here, so you can cut this later if you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) But what I found as, as being a teacher and as well as being somebody that's, you know, sitting in a class or a sermon is, and, and being a parent, obviously, is that if you can engage the kids, you will engage the parents also. And the reason I say that is because you know, if you're, if you're the parent of a young child, you know, this, you know, if someone's up there talking about Zechariah and some, some, you know, uh, prophecies and all this sort of thing, you know, your five-year-old's probably not going to really be getting a whole lot out of this. And, and so what you end up doing is you end up spending a lot of time trying to, you know, give that the little kid activities or something that's more appropriate for them to understand. So, and I've, and I've been in other, in other classes where, or sermons, I guess, more, more uh, to the point where the lesson was something that they could understand. And, you know, maybe it was something very simple, like, oh, let's talk about the story of, I mentioned Samson, we'll say Samson. Oh, let's talk about the story of Samson. Well, it's a very basic elementary story, especially if there's pictures up there, you know, they tend to follow along and then it becomes very easy for the parent, not only to engage the child because the child is understanding what's happening in the, in the assembly, but also the parent is now able to also listen to what the person is even saying. So it, it kind of works out both ways. So back to the, the story of the cross, uh, when I'm doing the, uh, the Lord's supper, one of the things that I try to do is I try to use one of the pictures from the story of the cross. And, and in our family, we have, you know, the coloring books and the flashcards and all that sort of thing, which I think, and I'm not in the pew when I'm doing this, so Hannah would have to attest to this, but I've seen it in, in other places. You, if you put up a picture and you're talking about that picture in some way, that enables the parents to say, Hey, you know, child, look up at the screen there. There is Jesus. Look, he's he's crying in the garden. He's sweating. Oh, look at those, those drops of sweat. They have a little bit of red in them. What does that mean? And and we can talk about, you know, the the aspects of of Jesus and his death, his sacrifice, that the child understands and is also being talked about by the person in front. And so it kind of serves Mm -hmm. those two purposes where you're able to be engaged yourself, but you're also able to engage your, your child. And so I found that to be very helpful with a lot of the CTR material because they're presenting material that, that, you know, nice, you know, excellent illustrations, biblically accurate that you can use. You can draw the attention of the audience, especially the younger audience, but that really helps the parents to uh, engage the kids and also be engaged in what you're talking about and not be so distracted with trying to give them something that, you know, really has nothing to do with what you're talking about.
3: And what, what you said about, you know, parents being engaged when the child is engaged, that to me goes back to Mark chapter 10 of we're not... Like, and and I, this is not what what you do or, or what you're saying, but it's not a matter of getting up there and, and dumbing it down. Like you're not taking out the important details or leaving out the deep stuff, but what right. you're doing is you're explaining it and using tools in such a way to engage everyone in in there. And so there is something for the children, but there is something for the adults too. And I just think it's so special when you when you begin to connect with children and understand how children think and how children process when you prioritize children in the church and and consider them like really valuable members <laughs> they are really really valuable members of a congregation and when we treat them that way i think we get to know god and we get to worship in a really special and unique way that I, I think some people don't get to do if they don't have that perspective or have that that sense of value there because they're they're always looking for like that super deep, Nugget that they're like trying to deep dive into, that they forget this like big picture. And again, that's what Jesus is going back to in Mark chapter ten: is like this is what the kingdom of heaven is made of. And so, being able to to share things in a way that engages everyone, yeah, benefits the parents, benefits the children, and and then that benefits the whole congregation. Then, so whether you're a parent or not, is supporting the parents in the congregation and making sure that that those children are are considered and treated like valuable members.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I know that was somewhat of a diversion, but we appreciate that diversion. I think that was a lot of really good, helpful stuff. And thinking about as having two preachers here right now and people who are very close to a preacher there in the Northeast and, you know, stuff like that. We obviously love preaching. And even if there weren't preachers in the room, we would still love preaching. But there can be times that kind of preaching ends up. And I know I'm guilty of this at times. I'm kind of like, okay, this is the adult's. And then like, there's that one week in the summer of vacation Bible school. It's like, okay, this is the kids. And then like 51 other weeks of the year, I'm kind of like adult time. And that that's helpful for me to take away some application of that and to, to be mindful of that as I'm going forward and make sure everyone's engaged and here to, to learn the story and to know the story. So appreciate that. So our final four questions, first one towards the end of all of our conversations this phrase of deeper Bible study is one that Emerson and I have heard over the past two years. or So maybe we've heard it even longer than that and kind of originally led us to starting this program. So we like to ask people just no right or wrong answers, just your impressions of when you hear that phrase. If Someone wants to ask you, what is deeper Bible study or what does deeper Bible study mean to you? How would you answer that question?
3: So. A couple things come to mind. First of all, going back to the text, I think sometimes we think deeper Bible study, we need all of the things, all of the commentaries, all of the resources, all of the blogs. (laughs) And to me, deeper Bible study, like we need our Bibles open um, and we need to be in them and reading them and prioritizing them. And then uh, something that I have personally been trying to read and study kind of through this lens is seeing it, and and it's it's the phrase that we use all the time, seeing it as God's story, seeing it as God's word. I think... Sometimes, and I'm certainly guilty of this again, this is something kind of new for me that I'm trying to see through this lens. You kind of look at specific stories and you look at what we call the main character of that story. So we look at Abraham, or we look at David, and we try to draw lessons and we say okay this is David's story, what are we going to learn from David. and, and there's some value in that of, I mean, the, those people are there for a reason, but if we look at it as this is God's story and David is just this, this part of it, I think sometimes it's hard. I know I hit this, this spot as a kid where you learn about these heroes, right? The heroes of the Bible, you have your, your Moses and your Abraham and your David. And, um, those heroes let you down, the more you get into the text, you're like, Oh, these guys had some pretty big problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's kind of hard then to wrestle with, but if the main person or the main character, the main part of this, if this is God's story and the whole focus is on God and I'm trying to get closer and I'm trying to be like God, then those other imperfect people, I can relate to them a little bit better. David Mm -hmm. isn't the hero of the story. God is. And so if, that's something that I am trying to do for myself. And then trying to then also verbalize that when I'm telling the story to my children is the hero of the story is God. And these are all just people. Some of them made bad choices. Some of them make good choices and we can learn from all of that. And that's why God gave us this story, but it's all about him. And so then when we get to the new Testament, then we can learn, okay, how, how do we get there? How do we get to be with him? I was actually just talking to our our two-year-old about this and he was, uh, looking at a picture and there's Jesus on the throne. And so we were kind of talking about this whole scene of heaven. And of course we say, okay, heaven, heaven's where we're going to go and be with God. And I said, um, I said, we're, we're running. I said, we're running to heaven. I said, and, and look, there's David and there's Moses and there's Abraham. And I said, all of them are cheering for us, but we have to keep running. We have to keep running. And when we get there, who are we going to be with? And he said, God and Jesus. And um, again, super simple. But if that is my perspective of like, okay, I'm running and I'm trying to get there and I'm trying to get to be with Jesus and to be with God. Um, if, if that's my focus when I'm reading, I feel like, it just, it changes things instead of looking at the the humans as the heroes or the, or the main characters.
0: Right. So what Hannah said about being God's story is what I'm going to talk about, but a little, little bit different perspective. When you think about uh, an event that occurs, um, you know, especially today, right? There's about, you know, 5,000 different news outlets that are going to write a story about it. And, you know, the thing is, when you read each one of those, accounts of what occurred, it's just a little bit different, right? You know, whether you read from this outlet or that outlet, maybe it reflects their political leanings, whether it reflects some other agendas that they may have, or, you know, whatever it is, what's important to them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so when I think of Bible study, I don't, I don't think, uh, or deeper Bible study, I don't, and and I, and I don't fault those that do this. I think, you know, th- like, as you said, everybody has a different perspective of what deeper Bible study means. Um, but I don't think about, okay, let me break out the interlinear here. Let me look at the, you know, the Septuagint. What does it say? Okay, let's bring out, you know, all these different varieties of texts and cross references and all that. I think there's value to that for sure. But when I think about deep Bible study that, that I want to do, what I want to think about is the fact that it is, like Hannah said, God's story, but God as the author, in that God is the one that assembled this thing. This is God's perspective, which means that it's His values that are behind this, that have influenced it being the way that it is. It's it's His purpose. It's His agenda. It's His desires for the for the recipients of this word. That's that He's trying to. Uh, that's influencing what He's writing there. So when I think about deep Bible study, I think about what is this telling me, you know, when I read this, what is this telling me about the author? What is this telling me about God? The fact that he has written this and that he has shared this with me and that he has shared it with me in this way. What does that tell me about, about his character? And I feel like, you know, the more that we, that we understand a person, the more that we understand what they have said, why they have said it, and, and certainly we cannot know anything beyond what he has revealed. But I think the more that we spend time thinking about that, meditating on, you know, God's purpose for us, why he shared these specific things and and shared them as this, these specific ways, the better we come to understand God and the deeper the relationship that we have with him, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the relationship that we have with our spouses or the relationship that we have with any other person, the more that we understand, you know, the why behind how they think or what they do or what's important to them, mm-hmm. the, the closer we're going to be to understanding that person and the, and the deeper that bond is going to be between us. Mm-hmm. So when I think of deep Bible study, I think about let how can I deepen my relationship with God in understanding more about him uh, and then hopefully, you know, kind of adopting those characteristics so that that we are as compatible, if you want to use that term, as we possibly can be. Uh, And so that's how I try to approach, you know, my, my study is what does this tell me? What does this teach me about God? Yes, it teaches me to do A, B, and C, but what does this teach me really about God and his character?
1: Yeah. Our last three questions are kind of rapid fire questions. Uh, Uh So you're welcome to uh, elaborate maybe a little bit if you want. Uh, Sometimes we'll ask people what their favorite Bible book is. And I already had in my notes, so don't feel bad about bringing up the 17 time periods. I already had what is your favorite time period from the 17 time periods?
0: Go first.
3: <laughs> um, I, oh man, I I would say I, I really, I really love the life of Christ. I think because it draws us closer to Jesus. I love teaching that. I love reading about it. I really like the life of Christ. I also really like, the judges and
0: because this is, this is what's your favorite? This I know, is not
3: I don't. <laughs> <not top> <laughs> because in a sad way, I I find the judges' time period very relatable of the whole idea of the cycle of sin, and so yeah. the idea that God is always willing to accept us back. So, I, the, I I cheated. Those are my two. She did <laughs>
0: cheat, and she took one the, the one I was gonna say. <laughs> Which is why I a little no. Um, I, I agree. I, I was going to say the judges, but mm. for that, for the reason that you know, yes, it does teach us the cycle of sin. Um, it is relatable. You see, you know, literally individuals doing things that you know is wrong, and then they're redeemed, and and it's okay for you know some period of time, uh, and then there's you know the the very sad part at the end, and at the end of Judges where right. it says. You know, there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. I mean, you see the chaos that comes from that. And it's almost kind of like your anti-favorite, if you will. It's your favorite because it's so bad right. uh, um, that, that you like it. But I, I will take a different one uh, since that one was already stolen. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, I also like the Exodus because it really shows God's Power and his compassion on his people, which I think he still has. I mean, obviously, still has for us today, uh, demonstrating all his power in in pulling people out of what was an unthinkable pit of despair. You know, being mm-hmm. subjugated by the Egyptians for all this time, and yet God demonstrating his power in unthinkable ways to to take them out and so that's really just a very strong uh, analogy to what we see with jesus that people are in such a deep despair of sin that it seems like there's nothing that can be done to redeem these people yet people yet god is willing to do this unthinkable to even sacrifice his son to to take us out of that slavery um, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of a cool analogy so yeah, there
3: absolutely. you go I I d- only because <laughs> that's right you
0: also did too <laughs>
1: who are, I guess I'll say, who is your favorite parent or who are your favorite parents? I don't know if there was like, I try to think of parents in the Bible and there are some good ones, but sometimes maybe just there's one of the two that stand out. So who are your favorite parents or parent? I'm going to go first. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm do
0: one, just letting you know. I think my favorite parent is Abraham. And here's why. I mean, there's a lot of things that Abraham does that are good and also some things that he does that not, not so great. Right. But what I think that is most uh, impactful to me when I think about Abraham is, and and maybe this is going to sound kind of morbid, but nonetheless, in Genesis chapter 22, I'm pretty sure, uh, when he's going to sacrifice Isaac, you see there that Abraham is willing to give up what I think is, you know, his most important possession, you know, his son, this is his only son. And yet he's willing to make this sacrifice because God has instructed him to do so. So as a parent, you know, I see that, and I'm not, certainly not advocating sacrificing children, so we'll <laughs> get that out of the way. But I see a devotion to the Lord and putting all things above, uh, putting, putting that above all else. Uh, even giving up what is most important to you. And certainly Isaac, obviously he survives the situation, but he saw that he experienced that. And that was a model to him that, Hey, my father was willing to give up, you know, what was the most important thing to him in order to, to please God. And so I, I must do the same as him. So that's something that I, I tried to think about and model in my life.
3: Um, the one that came to my mind was Jochebed and I'm, I'm sure we can throw Amram in there also, but, mm-hmm. um, I love, and I mean, you can see the, the theme going with Mark chapter 10, but I love when it says that she saw he was a beautiful child or she saw he was a fine child. Like she saw, I, I, I really don't think that that's just it being like, Oh, he's a pretty baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that's what it's saying, but like the, the fact that she saw value in this child to risk her own life and to risk her family. And I mean, obviously the situation was so horrible at that time, but the fact that she was willing to, to figure out a way to save him, to save Moses and the basket and all of that, that comes and the way God uses that situation. is just, it's really cool. But her faith is just so, so incredible. The fact that she, she held together the, the logic, like she came up with a logical solution, a logical plan, but she still has this, like this love care Faith, emotion. When she's looking at her child, she's just like, "This is too valuable. I like, I, I, I can't let this, this baby die." Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. Good one. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our final question, Hannah. You can contribute if you want, but this is for Eddie. Eddie, tell us about your experience with the game Blockus uh, in the Works family. I have some intel that you have some funny family experiences with this game, and so I'm, I'm supposed to ask about Blockus.
0: I'll be happy to tell you about Blockus. First of all, let me tell you, Blockus is a life lesson. Uh, It's all about, you know, sometimes bad things happen to you. (laughs) I believe, I believe the family story you may be referring to is one with which deals with my mother-in-law, Beth Works, and 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 I'll I'll try to make a long story short. Basically, she and I are very competitive in this game, you know, to, to, you know, unfortunately for her, it doesn't usually end very well. Um, (laughs) And it it was no different in this particular case. At this particular juncture, I I don't believe I had any chance of winning this particular game that we were playing. And I believe I had an opportunity to place my piece in the most advantageous place for me, which really had absolutely no benefit for me, but it also had the, uh, the impact that it caused her to lose the game and we were both <laughs> very aware that that was the decision that i was making and this resulted in a violent outburst <laughs> from the other player in which she launched her final piece which would have won the game for her at me and she was extremely upset and i believe if i remember right and you know, obviously she has no way to rebut this but I believe it would have even allowed her to place her final piece of the game. So she would have been able to place every single piece on the board. Um, oh. So she was not very happy about this, but again, that's, that's blockage, you know? it's just, <laughs> That's, that's blockus.
1: <laughs> hey man, I appreciate it. I'm a very, like, I like to think that as a Christian I'm loving and compassionate and I, I try to bring that someone to the game, but in the game world, it's cutthroat. Like it's there right. are sometimes like, I'm that I just like to watch the world burn. And sometimes <laughs> I'll make moves because, not necessarily because they help me, because I know someone else. Is gonna lose because
0: I do that, but uh, uh, yeah. Well, so that was
3: very much the uh, the intention. There, of- there, <laughs> there was
0: a little bit of that there, but of course, to- in totally good spirits, and I'm sure we we share a laugh, and we'll share a laugh about it. I'm sure right now, and That's honestly, right. that was I think that was like 11 years ago, or maybe 12 years ago. Yeah, but
2: she has heard. never forgotten
0: that. But she never forgot that, right? So it's yeah. so it's just the inspiration for good feelings for just decades. So. There you go. So anyway, well, thank you
2: guys so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and the help you've been in, in for me and Jeff as, as young parents ourselves and for our listeners, too, giving um, them some things to think about uh, leading families in Bible study. Thank you, guys.
0: It, it was a pleasure
1: to be here. Thank you guys yeah, for, for, you for so talking with us. Absolutely. Y'all take care. Have a great day. God bless.
3: Thank You, you. as well.
0: Take care.
1: But coming out of our conversation today, what was your one thing, Emerson?
2: I really liked how they used two illustrations. Uh, one was weaving Bible time in and out of your day based on Deuteronomy 6. It was just really helpful to think about that in, in that way. And then the other one was making sure that, that our hearts are in the right place, kind of the same way. But the other illustration they used was You know, when your heart is in the right place, it's like just throwing your kids in the back seat of a car you're already driving. So both of those were really helpful in thinking about if we make sure that our hearts are in line with God's, then training our children and teaching them the story of the Bible is just going to kind of fall into place. So it was really helpful to think about those two illustrations. What was your one thing?
1: Mine was, uh, I kind of mentioned it in the episode or in our conversation uh, as Hannah and Eddie kind of both talked about making sure that wh- whether it's a you know, kind of a, a short talk in a assembly setting or a sermon or Bible class or whatever, if there's like the mixed group of adults and kids making sure that the kids can be engaged and just how – how much sense it really makes the fact that, you know, if you can make sure the kids are engaged, then it's much more likely that the parents will be engaged and that, you know, other people, maybe even if you don't have kids, you'll help those kids be engaged. Or if you're the one who's giving that talk, you'll be thinking about how can I make this engage and still also really appreciate what they said about that doesn't mean like taking out the difficult things or the really deep things. It just mm-hmm. means making sure that there's some way you're trying to engage with, and I just really appreciated that idea. And kind of like I mentioned, you know, as, as someone who does that regularly, I need to think more about that and making sure that you know kids are involved and they aren't just involved by sitting still, by coloring a rando book. But maybe is there something that I can do to make them involved in the message some way too? So.
2: Yeah. So our listeners, we want to leave you with our challenge as usual. What was your one thing that you got out of our conversation with Eddie and Hannah? If you're a parent, what is one thing that you could implement as a parent to teach your family the Word of God? If you're not a parent, or maybe, you're a parent you're, or maybe your children are gone out of the house at this point, what's something you can do to support those parents that are around you who are trying to teach their children the Word of God? So what was your one thing? We want to leave you with that challenge
1: thank you for listening to working with the word today before we get into our usual outro we do want to go ahead and make mention of some resources things like creation to revelation make sure you check them out some of the products that were mentioned in our episode today if you want to find more about what hannah does on her facebook or instagram group you can look up mommy and me class they've got a green logo and i don't think there are many of those other ones too but if you're looking for one, look for that, and there are some great things that they do, occasional live videos and just some resources and other things that they're encouraging for moms and kids especially to work in the Word. Our next episode will release on December the 21st as we'll wrap up this series and we'll be talking with Marty Broadwell about Bible study in small group or Bible class settings. This idea of what can we do, whether we're the teacher or the student of that group, to make sure that we have good discussions in that group setting about studying and intaking the Word of God and using it in our lives. We've just been really grateful for all these conversations we've had at the end of this year. Grateful for you sticking with us this year. This will be our final episode that releases for the year, our last episode that will come out with uh, Brother Marty. We hope you'll tune in for that. As always, if there are questions or feedback or topics or books of the Bible you'd like for us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can reach out to us on Facebook at Working With The Word. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Working With The Word. Podcast or send us an email to Working With The Word Podcast at
2: gmail.com. That's all one word, Working With The Word Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
1: To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.